Let's go in-depth on Iowa State with the Des Moines Register. It's time, it's time for Cyclone Insider on 1460 KXNO. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. We appreciate you tuning in after a two-week hiatus of this show. We're back, rested, and ready to go. Randy's got the tan from Dallas being, what, 115 degrees? At least. I, I'm sure you got outside quite a bit in your 36 hours there. Yeah, right. That's, that's a place to stay away from is outside. Randy, of course, being in Dallas for the Big 12 media days as we are really turning the corner here towards college football season. We're in the the home stretch. You know, Really, the media days are the unofficial start of the season in our world. Randy was in Dallas for two days talking to Matt Campbell, Iowa State players, new Big 12 commissioner Brett Yormark, as well as the rest of the assembled 10-team league, soon to be, what, 11 next year? No, they're all entering next year. It'll be 14. Oh, you think they're going to be all 14, huh? Yeah, yeah, they'll be, yeah, they, they reemphasized it, I, and I didn't know that. I, I didn't, I missed that, that the, 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 the new four. Are coming in next year, so it's all new. It's all the four. It'll either be, dude, sixteen. It'll what will it be? Twelve, 13, fourteen, 40, assuming 14, Texas and assuming, Oklahoma yeah, stay. Exactly, and it, yeah. it seems like all the signals are that they are going to stay. Although Brett Yormark, new Big Twelve commissioner, seemed to to leave the door open to negotiations to let them out early. Uh, but before we get into that, Randy, I guess let's get your initial impressions of the new man in charge of the Big 12, former Rock Nation, throw your diamonds in the sky, COO, Brett Yormark, now Big 12 commissioner, taking over for Bob Bullsby. Took questions on the podium for, I think, 20 minutes. Took questions on the side uh, after. First impression of the guy that is going to be tasked with keeping, not only keeping the Big 12 together, but potentially growing it and expanding it in the most turbulent time for college sports since maybe World War II? Maybe, yeah. My gosh, this is pretty turbulent right now. Um, my first impression was that he, predictably he was short on, on detail, but I, it's going to be, and this is no offense to Bob Bowlesby. An Iowan, so we know you would not throw any shade his way and you know i like bullsby um it's going to be the breath of fresh air that that it seems to be permeating throughout college athletics right now and i don't know whether it's fresh air or not come to think of it but new air um he's from the entertainment business obviously so he knows he knows that 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 landscape he's from the he's he was very PR like last week. Uh, when we talked to him on the side, I was with a group of maybe ten or twelve reporters huddled around him. Before we could talk to him, he shook our hand, asked each of us where we were from and how long we'd been covering the Big Twelve. Um, which I felt was interesting. Um, and then he said, "Also, anytime you guys are in New York." call me and I'll take care of you at whatever. He did say the name of a restaurant. And I don't know what the heck the name of that place was. It, Sabaros? Wasn't, a, it, it wasn't a pizza place. Sabaros? Was it Sabaros? <laughs> I don't know. It might've been. It, I, I don't know. 
Randy, that's like the uh, McDonald's of pizza places. No, that's no, the there was jokes. some. No, I know. Subbar, that's the airport pizza. No, I know. I'm, when it comes that, to, that's dude, an office don't, joke. Dude, don't worry about dude, it. Dude, don't. Don't. Anyway, don't go there with me at pizza. No, it, it, it's, there's. I was thinking Spago or something like that, sure. what you were saying. Um, but uh, he he was very PR oriented. Um, he's he up, he started it off by saying that the Big Twelve's open for business, which means that yeah, they're going to negotiate with anybody that they feel will add um, financial, uh, be a financial plus for the Big Twelve conference. He's keeping the same staff, the same Big Twelve staff, although he's bringing his personal assistant with him, and she was there along with his family. They were all there um, last week in Dallas. Bowlesby, I asked Bowlesby on the side about about him because Bowlesby is, has been working very closely with the new commissioner because, um, like you said, there's turbulent times going on right now. And Bowlesby, and Bowlesby said, um, and I said to Bowlesby, I said, I'm not going to be able to reach, could cold call this guy at 11 o'clock at night like I could you. And Bowlesby said, don't be, don't, don't count that out. He said, this guy will be very accessible. And I said, oh, okay. Um, we'll see. He's going to, the first, I don't know, 30 days, whatever it is, once he takes over, he said he's going to tour every, every Big 12 campus. He's going to meet with everybody, um, everybody that, that's within that school, athletics and the president that um that 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 will meet with him so he's going to he's going to do his due diligence in 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 that respect i guess we'll see what happens at the at the bargaining table we'll see um what happens i asked him about scheduling not i didn't start off the questioning about scheduling i asked him about scheduling um because that's kind of getting lost right now and the schedule will be out in october supposedly and he he said that he had to defer on that because obviously he that's not exactly the hottest topic going with him right now. So I guess all in all, I would I'm cautiously impressed. Um, but I guess we'll see what kind of TV deal they renegotiate. We'll see what what the Big Twelve looks like in t- in five years and ten years. Um, before I before we can make a true um, judgment on on whether Brett Yarmark is the right guy for, for the Big Twelve. Well, and that's what's so fascinating, Randy. I think there's not one metric. I mean, I guess there is one metric dollars that you can judge Brett Yarmark on, but I think he's got a lot of different avenues that he's got to walk down, and a lot of different jobs that he's got to do in terms of keeping the Big 12 relevant and competitive when you see the Big 10 and the SEC absolutely supercharging what they're doing. We saw Greg Sankey at SEC Media Days last week kind of drawing a line in the sand about the college football playoffs and automatic qualifiers. And in my opinion, kind of throwing some middle fingers up in the sky to the rest of the college football to say, you know, you had your chance with the automatic qualifiers. You had your chance for us to play nice. Now we're at 16 teams. We are going to be financially in another stratosphere than the other leagues save the Big Ten here shortly. 
And so what do you do if you're the Big 12? Do you partner with the Pac-12? Do you partner with the ACC? Do you make a run at trying to add four teams from the Pac-12? Or do you try to go you know, get a group of five school? I mean, there are a lot of different things to do, and I don't know that there is a master stroke available to Brett Yormark in the Big 12. You know, They're not going to get a USC or a UCLA. They just saw Texas and Oklahoma walk out the door. So it's not – I don't know that you can compete. Honestly, I just honestly, like, can you compete with the Big Ten and SEC in terms of being a super conference not only in numbers but in prestige? I don't know who's out there other than, you know, can you go get Oregon? Can you go get Washington? And even then, you know, that's not at the same level of what those other conferences are at when you look at their football prestige tradition – and eyeballs, which is going to translate into dollars. But you can stop yourself from slipping further, and you can position yourself as number three. Like That's got to be the yeah. goal, right? One and two are out the door. Like you're, you're not going to be the first or second conference in terms of revenues or probably even your ability to compete for national titles. But you can be number three. Like Number three is very – like they're probably better positioned to be number three than any other league. The Pac-12 has been a bit of a dumpster fire for 10 years, and now are losing two of its marquee programs. The ACC is locked in to their grant of rights at a sub-market rate for like the next 15 years. Right. So the, you, the Big 12 has the opportunity here to establish itself as the best behind the two best. And you know the way they get there is going to be very interesting to watch with Brent Yormark in charge. Yeah, and... and, and uh, you, uh, I saw I saw yesterday where where the SEC commissioner said that like you like you said they're not interested in expanding right now and expanding further, um, <coughs> excuse me. Which I guess I figured out. I mean that's in other words, yeah, like you said, that's flipping the bird to the ACC. Um, the re, remaining or, or becoming third behind the Big Ten and, and the SEC that's that's certainly doable. And I read something interesting and and. I'm very careful what I read because if you read stuff, it can it can mess up mess mess up with your mind. Um, but I, I pick out people that I think are somewhat knowledgeable and and who I know go about this quote unquote source thing the right way. Who was it? Thamel yesterday, last night, whenever I saw it last night, that said that um, that through NBC. As a plan, did you see that? Yeah, and I thought that was interesting. "Quote unquote shoulder shoulder as coverage." Yeah, I never heard of that phrase before, but yeah, Notre Dame, where the Big Twelve would provide content for NBC before the Notre Dame game and after the Notre Dame game, depending on the time of the Notre Dame they, game. They need a college football ecosystem that just doesn't exist for four hours once a week for Notre Dame games, right? Like, that's right. that's the idea for NBC. <laughs> yes, exactly. Notre or Dame is hours, valuable to them, yes. but it's additive to have your entire Saturday built around college football rather than just your you know four-hour window for the Fighting Irish and Touchdown Jesus. Right, yes. And, and I, I, I didn't, you know, I thought about that a little bit, and... On the surface, it sounded it sounded interesting, um, because you know Notre Dame's going to have a lot of eyeballs. You know that um, you know whomever uh, Iowa State or Iowa, the Big Twelve will have will have eyeballs during specific 
games. I'll Go tell ahead. you what, though. If Iowa State fans hate ESPN Plus, and they do, and I don't blame them, they ain't going to like Peacock. <coughs> okay. I'll take your word for it because, <laughs> because I don't think I get that on the Hulu. Maybe I do. I don't know. But um, And maybe they're not going to like being the lead-in for, for Notre Dame either. But, you know, if, if it's... If it, Take the money and run. Right? I was just going to say, it's not about... It's not about fans right now. It's not about winning and losing. And and I, I, I always thought this about people said, well, Texas won't be able to compete in the SEC. Okay. Is that the, really the goal is to compete in the SEC or is it to make money? That's the whole messed up thing about this whole exactly. deal. But the, but the money is supposed to allow you to compete. Like that's the whole idea. But you've got name image like this now. So <laughs> What's that, that? You can, if you're Texas and Oklahoma, you can make money from that route. Like George was saying, I, I think the I players probably, can the institutions can't exactly like george was saying i thought i was pretty sure about who he was talking about saying get four hundred thousand dollars cash some transfer george niang a year philadelphia 76er and iowa state legend will be joining us here in the uh, second segment today uh talking about all number of things including his uh terrible golf outing uh next week uh here in central iowa uh here on the cyclone insider radio hour but now we're talking college football Randy I think you know again I mean you hit the nail on the head like this isn't about winning it's about dollars and that's the crazy part about all of this too is that the dollars you know these are allegedly nonprofit uh, organizations here <laughs> the dollars are supposed to do feed winning and that has not obviously been the case or I guess if you're a, if you're an Ole Miss fan or you're an Iowa State fan, do you really care how big the Big Twelve check is or the SEC check is if you're finishing fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh in the league every year? I mean, it just the idea of these sports for fans should be winning, right? And but the idea for the institutions, the athletic departments, the the TV uh, partners, and on down is about it can be about just making more money. I think we're at an interesting part here where we have diverging priorities that college sports have tried, I think, to disguise a little bit that the money is for the winning, but the money is for the money, right? Like that's that's the bottom line, and it's going to be interesting as the sport splits further and further here uh, along conference lines and along you know governance lines, how long they're able to keep that facade up. At what point do fans say, okay, the money's great, but finishing 14th in a 16-team Big Ten or SEC ain't great. Like, it's not worth it to pay my football coach $5 million a year if we're finishing 14th. It's not worth it for the athletic director to make $1.2 million a year when we're you know barely able to, to scrape out three wins in conference and you're traveling you know for Rutgers across the country to play USC and UCLA. You know, at what point do fans say, like, we've got this all wrong? And maybe they never do because the football's fun and it's your university and it's a good way to, to spend a Saturday. I don't think fans will say that you've got this all wrong. I mean, once they, once they, once they figure out, and if they haven't already, I feel bad for them. But once they figure out that this is this is about this is about money, um, I man, I don't know. I think every fan should know that by now. My golly, um, it's about money. It's about money to buy shiny new stuff for facilities um and that's and that's where your mark might be able to, to be a plus and once again i'm not 
saying anything bad about Bob. Um, your mark talked about the entertainment value, having worked for Rock Nation. Don't do it. Um, he did it again. Having worked for Rock Nation, working closely with Jay-Z, Beyonce, whomever else Rock Nation Rock Nation has. And I did ask him this. I said, how could that translate to the Big 12? And then he said, he said they could bring some of that entertainment. He said, bring some of that music to Big 12 campuses. Younger, hipper, cooler. Younger, hip, and that's younger, <laughs> hipper, cooler. Exactly. <laughs> I could envision a concert, a, a Friday night concert at the, at the Big 12 football championship. I can envision something along those lines, a concert of some sort during the Big 12, but I guess it'd have to be before the Big 12 basketball tournament, which this year, by the way, is merged into one facility at the same time. Um, over two weeks, though, right? Over, over, t- yeah. is it over two? Okay, I can. Or is it the same week? I don't. They're not. They're not concurrent anymore. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, and he's, but, but he's also has helped negotiate TV contracts for the Nets. I believe um, he was heavily involved in in marketing NASCAR. So that that's that's, and he's, he I he was asked also about name, image, and likeness. He, w- he said something about, the, he mentioned that the Big 12 could somehow partner with the universities to, to, to bring this back to, I'm not going to say reality, because I, your reality is different than my reality, who's different than John Fleming's reality and, and our friend in, in Ames, whose reality is different to, I don't know, who's ever. But um, so for fans to think that, that this is anything less than about about the money it's it's man it's it's about doing what you can with what you have like tj has done which we'll talk about um with what mac campbell has done so that's what it's about yeah i mean and it's interesting too with your mark the uh the divergence from and this i think happens with a lot of hires you hire somebody with a very different skill set than the previous guy. Cause I mean, when I think of Bob Bowlesby, he is the like epitome of the institutionalist, the academic, the collegiality. I mean, this is a guy that was the AD at Stanford, which to me is one of the more, I don't want to say stuffed shirts, but it, it is places that he's been, you and I, Iowa, Stanford, we're all very much the old school way of looking at college athletics at the college experience and then to go hire like literally the dude who was running Jay-Z's talent agency is such a departure from where they were as Randy throws his diamond in the sky that it's going to be very fascinating to see what that looks like in the reality for the big 12, because like whatever younger hip or cooler they want to talk about, the only thing that the big 12 presidents care about is how big is our TV contract? Like that's what it's going to come down to. How big's our TV contract, and who are we getting in expansion? And Brett Yormark is going to have to navigate those waters very deftly. You don't think there's any conversation going on about how, um, what it's going to be like for for the West Virginia, um, an Olympic sport team, for example, to to have to fly to BYU. 
how much class time will be missed there? Yeah, I, if, if that was a discussion, I mean, the, exactly. the answer was that's my point was reached a long time ago. Then who exactly. the hell cares? That's I mean, like, exactly my point. It's just yes. which is fine, but like let's just all be honest about exactly. what, what is right. the let's deal just here. Say it, yes. Like to play, you know, your Tuesday night volleyball match uh, in the middle of September to go from Morgantown to Provo and back, like. Ooh, at least you're on ESPN Plus and have C minus production, and hope you don't and hope that you don't need any replay capability. And I asked about him about that the other day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's a like it'll be very interesting to see because it sounds like Apple TV Plus is potentially going to get um, the Sunday ticket. Amazon Prime is going to have Thursday night football. Like ESPN is going to have to bolster its ability to stream games, the quality of its streaming. Uh, or, and Iowa State fans know that all too well oh, after it, last it, year's West Virginia debacle. Well, or just you just the the quality of those productions are significantly less more often than not, both for football and men's basketball. You can start yeah. off with talent being actually in the arenas. Yeah, it goes a long way. But bottom line, Big Twelve football. We weren't really talking much about football. We were talking about dollars and cents, which we'll see if that maintains. If college football continues to be about that, it'll be interesting to see how it impacts fans' ability to connect and care. History would suggest it won't. They'll continue to care as much about their alma mater and their home state universities winning on Saturdays as ever. We will see. This is the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. When we come back, we will be joined by Iowa State legend George Niang to talk a little bit about his season with the Philadelphia 76ers and uh, his trip coming up to Central Iowa here next week. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Randy Peterson and Travis Hines here, and now we're joined by George Niang of the Philadelphia 76ers, who will be in town next week for his annual camp and golf outing. So we thought we'd chat with him here for a little bit ahead of that. George, welcome to the show, and how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you guys for having me on. It's always good to, to catch up with, uh, with old friends, to say the least. Well, we appreciate you making time for us and your busy schedule. I know you're out in California right now. What is... What's life look like for you right now? You're, you're you're an NBA veteran at this point, which for somebody who I just actually, when I was calling you for this show, I called the 757 number, which tells you how long I've known you at this point. So for you to be an oh NBA God. veteran is a, a little strange for two old guys like Randy and me, but what's, what's life treating you like right now uh, with the Sixers getting ready for yet another NBA season? Um, no, it's been great. You know, the off season, you go into it, you're like, oh, I'm going to be a little more mellowed and chill. And next thing you know, you're running around 5,000 miles an hour trying to get yourself ready to be in the right shape uh, for the season. So, I mean, it it always comes, it always goes by fast. You think you'll have more time to hang out with people on vacation. But, you know, working out trumps all of that. And uh, I'm kind of in the thick of it right now. You know, we got like a 10-week sprint to the uh, beginning of training camp, and uh, it's been going really well for me. George, you get away. I mean, do you are you a big beach guy, lake guy, um, foreign country guy during the off season? You know, I'm I'm a real I'm a huge uh, lake guy, but if I can get away to Mexico or go on a beach, 
Uh, that's definitely what I like to do. I like to enjoy the time uh, with my with my friends and family just because during the season it's so hard to do that. You know, the grueling schedule of traveling and being asked to be here and there, you can't really make too much time for your friends and family, which is, is tough, but it, it comes with the territory. George, you carved out, I think, a really important role for a good team in Salt Lake City with the Jazz but I feel like when you moved to the 76ers, you had much the same role. But for a team that is much more in the spotlight, I think, because of the roster and it just seems central to the the NBA drama and narrative, what was it like for you to be, I don't know, under a microscope a little bit more, but certainly you know, being a part of a team with title contention and being a contributor on a team like that? Yeah, anytime you... Uh... You're in a city closer to New York. I feel like the microscope is is pretty much on you. Uh, but needless to say, uh, I fell into a role that had more opportunity for me. Uh, you know, I was asked to do more, which which was great. Um, you know, I liked you know being asked to do more, and I think it was part of the evolution of my career. And it kind of you know pushed me through to people weren't just like, hey, you know, he's on the Jazz, and people that are on the Jazz have a role and it doesn't look like they could have a role anywhere else. It kind of like took that next step to proving to other people that, you know, I can play in many different systems and I'm a basketball player and I can adapt to many different situations. Utah wasn't just the place that only place that I could play in. George, go back to your Utah days for, for a second here. I'm not talking about the, the team days. I'm talking about um, the state of, uh, of, of Utah. I, there's a chance Iowa state plays out at, well, Iowa State basketball for sure will play at BYU next year, and there's a chance a football team plays at BYU next year. Fans who go to those those games, and you know as well as I do how well the Iowa State, at least at, at football fans for sure, travel. What 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 can they expect in Utah and in in, in uh, where I guess it'd be Provo? Yeah. Oh well, what, I remember when we played out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Utah had some of the nicest people that you'll ever meet, like almost to the point where you're like, wow, you guys are almost too nice. Like I remember going down, we were playing, I think it was the Marriott Center, and we had to take an elevator down, and it was a big rivalry, not a big rivalry game, but it was a big game. They were, We were ranked, and uh, we had to go through their fans and had to take an elevator down with a couple of their fans, and I think it's their cheerleaders, and we were on the elevator thinking they were going to you know, either say something slick or – you know, kind of make a snide comment, but they were like, hey, guys, like, we wish you, like, the best of luck. And I'm and thinking to myself, like, this is some sick joke. Like, they wish us the best of luck. So then after the game, uh, Melvin Edgem flicks off the crowd. DeAndre Kane <laughs> exactly. pokes someone in the eye. And then we're walking out of there with the same people taking the elevator up. I'm like, we, they are going to be like, you guys are so disgraceful, da 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 And... They were like, oh, my God, was that not the best game ever? Congratulations to you guys, and good luck on the rest of the year. I'm like, get me out of here. This is this is madness. But, no, they're great people. Uh, the people of Utah are genuine, influential, you know, in their everyday life, um, and they're really good people out there. I think it's, it's going to add to a really uh, a good rivalry in the Big 12. Um, needless to say, I know Cyclone fans love to drink, so this might be a BYOB type of trip. Um, but, you know, there, there are no strangers to that. 
We're talking to George Niang, Iowa State legend and Philadelphia 76er, giving you uh, all your drinking uh, advice you could possibly want in the state of Utah. George, I know even in a busy NBA season, you paid a lot of attention to what Iowa State did on the basketball court this year uh, for a guy that recruited you and that you played for as part of two different staffs, I believe, uh, under Fred Hoiberg and Steve Prohm and TJ Otzelberger. What was your impression of that turnaround going from two from 22 to the Sweet 16 this last year? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that you can credit that to is TJ came in and built a culture. Did he have the most talented guys? No. But he had them bought in on winning. And whenever you can have that at the forefront of every guy's mind and not let anyone else's personal agenda get ahead of that, you achieve success. I mean, it's done at the lowest level. It's done at the highest level. You look at what Greg Popovich has done with the Spurs and no egos and even with Steve Curry and, you know, and, and, uh, and Golden State. I mean, at every level, if you can put winning at the forefront of everybody's mind and create a culture that your every move every day is contributing towards how can I get my team better or how can I make myself better for my team, you, you win. And uh, I think TJ's done that and he's done a remarkable job. And I just think winning is just in his DNA, whether if it was winning, getting recruits when he was an assistant or coaching the scout team when, you know, when I was first there, uh, winning is, is all that he really cares about. Why is he so adept? Why is he able to recruit such good players? I mean, just last week, they, I can't say the dude's name, Milan. It's a four-star oh, player. Milan or Milan, Milan, I think. Yeah, whatever, whatever. I can and I cannot say the last name. What makes TJ I was say, so? Randy, you can't be saying whatever because if this guy gets on and decommits, I'm telling TJ it was you. Okay, Milan, Milan I think I got that right. Go. Um, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, what makes TJ such a such a good recruiter? Um, you know, I think he's relatable. One, uh, easy to talk to. Um, and he, you know, he basically just lays it out. Hey, this is what I have for you. This is what I see you being. Um, if you like that, great. Um, you know, if you don't, then maybe this isn't the place for you. It's almost like where I took a marketing class where, you know, you give someone the product and they're like, uh, they're unsure about it. And you take the product back and you're like, maybe this isn't the product for you. And the other person's like, well, just give me the damn product. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those, you know, mind things. But I think he's brutally honest with these people and people that, you know, want to be coached and want to be held accountable want to come play for TJ. George, if a, if a player on the – when TJ's recruiting this a player, if the player starts asking about name, image, and likeness money, what's available out there, how much am I worth, what do you think TJ would say? This probably isn't the place for you. And like – because when you think about this, name, image, and likeness is such like a curse, right? Because TJ could be offering, TJ could be offering you an opportunity for you to maybe make what, like fifteen grand over like a couple appearances in Ames. Because I'm sure you know in Ames, it's easy to fall into all that, right? Um, but an opportunity for you to grow as a as a player and be able to play and be an NBA prospect. Or you can take four hundred grand somewhere else and never get looked at by an NBA team, but you're taking that lump sum chance and you're taking that lump sum of money at the f- forefront of that. 
and losing an opportunity to really make millions on the back half. So I, t- I think TJ understands that, and most of these kids are just like, well, I want to have this money up front, which, I mean, Randy, I, I can't lie to you. If I ever had that much money when I was 18, 19 years old, I would be in some serious trouble because there, there's a learning curve that comes with that, and you have to grow up fast when you have that much capital um, in your name. That's interesting. <laughs> Sounds like Iowa State needs a wealthy MBA alum to, to really fund the collective to make to make this work. But George, I wanted to talk right, to you. You should you should you should ask Tyrese Halliburton. He's <laughs> very well. Yeah, I think I think he might uh, that next contract for him will be very very interesting to see. Uh, George, you're going to be in town next week for your annual camps and golf outing. Tell us a little bit what people can expect and how they can uh, participate in the camp and the charitable golf outing uh, next week. Yes. So uh, I think the camp is fully sold out, which I'm so sorry, but we're doing something unique. We're trying to touch as many people as we can with our basketball knowledge. Um, so the first camp is going to be up in Des Moines, and uh, it's going to be for three hours. And then we are going to jet down to Ames, where we've done our camp the last, I want to say, has it been six years, seven? According Four to the years. internet, this is the seventh year. Wow. I mean, with the COVID year, it kind of gets all like mixed up because mm-hmm. I wasn't really there. I had to do it virtually. Um, but, yeah, so uh, that will be another three-hour one down in Ames. Uh, and that's on Tuesday the 26th. And then the 28th, I am having, um, you know, that. Uh, well, the 29th, I'm having my charity golf outing. But the 28th is the charity dinner. Before, there's going to be jokes, laughs. It's going to be fun. I'll be making an appearance, mingling, hanging out with people for a couple hours um, down there. And then, obviously, the, the big event of the weekend is the 29th, my charity golf outing, um, my fifth one. Um, you know, obviously, we're, we've partnered with the Boys and Girls Club, and it's just something I'm super excited about. And at this point, it isn't even really about the dollar amount. I think it's just getting great people together and knowing that, you know, we're doing things for a good cause. I mean, I always want to come back to Ames and hang out with the people that helped me so much, but if we can get together and raise money for um, a good cause and for the Boys and Girls Club to create opportunity for these young kids um, growing up in, uh, in Ames, I, I think that's something that I've always you know, wanted to push forward and, and do. So I'm happy that we can do that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a little bit different of a structure. There's going to be more golfers, but we're not doing um, a silent auction. So therefore everybody doesn't have to rush back to make it back for that kind of, you know, event after you've had a long day of golfing. There'll just be a band playing outside. Everybody can mingle, hang out, and it should be a lot of fun. He's Iowa State legend and Philadelphia 76er George Niang. Be sure to check out his charity golf outing for a good cause. George, we appreciate your time. Thanks, and I'm um, guessing we'll see you next week. Yes, can't wait to see you guys. Thanks, Thanks for George. having me. We'll be back on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Thanks again to George Niang for joining us to talk a little bit about where he's at in his NBA journey and his trip uh, to Central Iowa next week for what sounds like a trio of events, his camp, a dinner, 
and a golf outing. Uh, the golf outing help uh, you know helping support the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, be sure to check that out. A quick Google search will take you to where you need to go. We're going to continue to talk about Iowa State basketball here, but uh, actual not former players, future players with Iowa State getting a top fifty commit from Milan Mosilovic out of Wisconsin, giving T.J. Otzelberger his biggest recruiting win, not named Tyrese Hunter, probably in his now two recruiting cycles. Yeah. Uh, as Iowa State head coach, you know, to me, Randy, you know, we'll see how good this kid is when he gets to campus. But to me, the story is they're doing what they said they were going to do. They were going to recruit in their six-hour radius. They were going to be heavy in the Midwest, Wisconsin obviously being on top of that list given T.J. Otzelberger's ties to his home state, given J.R. Blunt's ties to his home state, given uh, Kyle Green's uh, proximity as a Minnesotan and a person who recruited that state heavily while at UNI for two decades, and they're delivering. And I think that, to me, that is the story. They set out with a plan, they articulated it, and now they're executing it. And I'm just looking at something here. Um, yeah, exactly. And that let's let's not forget... Um, Somebody else that possibly could be out there too. Omaha Blue, I guess that's how you say it. And Iowan, Iowa, Iowan, who's back at Waukee, to the best of my knowledge. Um, so you talk about Milan being the the best player of the of the TJ of his two of his this most recent two years. Um, pair him up with with Ballou. that that could be. That could be interesting, um, but but you're right. TJ and his staff have done exactly. <coughs> summer colds are great. Have done exactly what 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 they said they'd do. Um, it's it's interesting that that one of these guys, Tyrese, um, was outstanding last year, and from Wisconsin, and all of a sudden, boom, he's now at Texas. Keeping these guys, keeping these guys engaged, that's going to be huge. Not just at Iowa State. It's going to be huge everywhere because there are, um, you know, like we talked about that with George. There's money out there everywhere, whether it's before you get to the school, whether before you commit to after you commit. And I think that's been a big part of their strategy, and I think TJ said this publicly, like they, in this era – with and this is even really, I remember talking to TJ before. I think we really had a f- understanding of how NIL would function in the real world. That with the transfer portal, you needed guys who were going to want to be at Iowa State that were not necessarily going to look to to move on, to move up, to move over, however you want to look at it, uh, at a better, a perceived better situation to get guys that wanted to be at Iowa State, and it'll be interesting to see how they're able to do that. And maybe the Midwestern guys have that. I, I think that that's their working thesis yes. for sure. The Iowa State's working philosophy is that if you get you know, regional players, the ability to keep them is going to be increased. You know, Randy, the other thing that I think is interesting is with what Iowa State's doing, and you know, Momo Silovich, I'm, I'm going to learn how to pronounce that, I swear to her, but it might take me a little while. And the next step is spelling it. Yeah, and uh, you know, top fifty player—that's a high-level recruit. You're not the elite, like you know, we've it's seen Omaha. Like, no, 
I think he was top twenty-five. I mean, I, to me, it's but, it's Matt it, Thomas. Like you know, Matt Thomas was hovering yes, around yes. the top fifty, and that brings me to my point: is when you look at their two recruiting classes, they're building it. You know, for as much as we wanted to focus on transfers under Fred Hoiberg, and obviously mm-hmm. that was huge to jumpstart the program, but it, it really turned into filling out the roster. When you look at guys like George Niang, guys like Matt Thomas, Monte Morris, Nazmi Trulong. Those were guys that were between, you know, top 50-ish to top 150. Like, that was the core were really good players, four-year players that weren't elite NBA prospects coming in. And we saw a lot of those guys become NBA prospects coming out of Iowa State. But getting those four-year players between 50 and 150 and, and thriving, and that was the foundation. And what we saw in the 2022 class with Taman Lipsy. Eli King, Demarion Watson, and now what we're seeing in 2023 with Momma Mom and Jelani Hamilton yes. is is the same thing. Is good players, not elite prospects, not one and done prospects coming into college, but guys that project as quality to very good college basketball players over a four year career, which is really what propelled Fred Hoiberg's teams to sustain success and I think you can make the argument what Steve Prohm's teams were lacking that really saw that program dry up you know in the in the final years of Steve's tenure at Iowa State and I think this is a smart way to do it now these players got to be good and they got to develop for that strategy to work and you still got to be able to utilize the transfer portal as a net positive and try to keep players like Tyrese Hunter but I do think like we mentioned earlier they articulated a plan, and now they're executing that plan on the recruiting trail, and now it's got to translate onto the basketball court, and obviously we saw what they were able to do last year. But the, in terms of the long-term roster building, they're doing exactly what they set out to do. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And I let me ask you this. Do you foresee a time um, TJ and his staff have 10 transfers the last two years in the 22 and 21 classes? Combined for 10 transfers. Do you see, So, and it was even five each year, do you see that number dwindling? Is his goal to, to go the high school route? Or, um, you know, and I, I don't know the last time we saw a straight high school route. Well, 2017, that, that class did not have any transfers in it. I do know that because I researched that stuff this morning. But, um. Do you foresee this this being a trend? If um, he's going to have six scholarships to fill, so which means right now the max transfers he could get would be three, unless stuff happens after the season. Um, and but and we all know he's looking at freshmen. Do you think that's his preferred route, or or what do you think his his philosophy in that respect going forward is? You're going to have to hit the transfer portal hard every year for a couple of reasons. But five. Yeah, probably. Okay. I would guess three to five. I mean, because if you have, let's say you have three seniors every year, those aren't going to be the only guys leaving your program. Right. Like you're going to have people transfer out. We had that before the transfer portal and no penalty transfers. So you're only going to see that increase. And if you get a, if you have six open scholarships, you can't have six freshmen. You cannot be that young and try to compete in the Big 12. So you have to stay old, and you have to stay talented, and the only way to do that is through the transfer portal. So yeah, I think like the ideal scenario is you bring in 
two or three freshmen that are in that 50 to 150 range and then bring in, you know, three to five transfers that are going to be impact players. Now, are the numbers always going to line up like that? No, but I do think that that is the likely way we see roster building across the country now just because you're not going to retain players like you used to. And used to, I mean, it's been ten years probably since we've you know, that we've seen this reality that you're going to have what two to five players transfer out every single year because of for whatever reason, usually playing time. Uh, so yeah, I do think that they're probably looking at that, and I think it's a necessity not only because there's a lot of really good players that transfer that you need to go get, but you just you don't win if you're young more often than not. I mean, we saw what it's been. 10 years since that Kentucky team yeah. won, Duke won in 2015 with a bunch of uh, freshmen. Uh, it's just really, really hard to win young, and the team, those two teams I just mentioned were full of lottery picks, and that ain't going to be the case for Iowa State. So you got to stay old to stay good. No, I, I agree with that, with that 100%. Um, and Iowa State has done a good job, other than you know a few seasons recently. Iowa State's done a, done a darn good job. In the in the transfer, yeah, I mean program. Isaiah Prockington is for oh a gosh. school that has had incredible success with transfers. Like he is, you know, in the conversation as what top five, six, sure, in school history. Yeah, or no. in, in recent history. You're right. I mean, so it's it, you're right. It, it's a it's a it's a place recruiting um, place that that TJ and his staff have to continue to tap. Um, I don't know if it'll be five, but it it will be like you said, three or so probably, and that and that's not a bad way to go because TJ was on the staff was was the guy doing all this for Fred who essentially was the master of the portal so, um, the portal master Fred the, Weber the portal master I like it. yeah <laughs> the portal master so. Anyway, you're I, giving I don't know me that we the can wind do any, up. You're yeah. giving me the wind up. Well, we, I, you can't do any better than Portal Masters. So I think that's probably the the place to call this a show. This is the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. For Randy Peterson, I'm Travis Hines. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.